welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. My guest this week is triple threat West Ender Mark Wilshire. As a child, Mark worked in many musicals as a child professional, starring in Oliver at the London Palladium and Bugsy Malone at the Queen's Theatre, Shaftesbury Avenue. As a young adult, Mark trained at Lane Theatre Arts. Since graduating, has toured in countless professional musicals, including Carousel, Mamma Mia, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Starlight Express and Our House. His lucky break, his first leading role, was in the UK tour of the Take That musical, Never Forget. Mark has lived the eight shows a week lifestyle with back-to-back shows with high vocal demands, which has given him terrific insight into what his voice is capable of and how to work around normal seasonal colds and fatigue that may occur. Mark went on to also have lead roles in 9 to 5 and The Bodyguard, and more recently, pre-COVID, he was swing and cover as Cal and Earl in Waitress, where he spent many weeks playing Earl with Sarah Bareilles as his wife Jenna during her brief West End stint. As many of you will know, West End singers are like vocal athletes, so of course, like in sports, you train to be performing at an elite standard, but it's also vital to know your boundaries and work within these at all times. Mark has learned some lessons of his own along the way. I hope you enjoy learning from his stories, light bulb moments and personal wisdom. Mark has a brilliant relationship with his voice after a near 20 year professional career and a really positive mental outlook, which I'm sure will see him weather this storm and hopefully be back on our stages, entertaining us as soon as the theatre industry can return. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Wilshire. Thank you for joining me today. You know, we've got a strange world at the moment with the pandemic. Obviously, all the theatre industry is shut at the moment. So you can certainly tell our listeners a little bit about that. But I'd love to sort of ask you our initial question, which is, how would you describe your journey with your voice? How would I describe my journey with my (laughs) voice? Well, I started off from a very young age. Um, I used to love uh i mean i don't remember this but i used to sing when i was like three like i don't know how good i was but um you know maybe from about five onwards to about seven years old i used to sing like when my dad was in the shower and he'd have his like he'd have his like beatles cassettes on so i'd sing to that and everything and and you know i always used to love sort of singing and dancing around the house so i got into my first sort of uh little dance school when i was seven because basically my auntie had come to my mum and said look his cousin is at a dance school right now they're putting on a performance uh in a couple of months time so they're starting rehearsal soon and they need more boys um will mark want to do it and i and i and i said yeah i did it and then so it was basically like a crazy schedule something like six months of rehearsals to do like a one-week performance oh you need that when you're at dancing school of course because you can only do a night here and a saturday there blah 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 um and so i i got towards the end of the show week and i just said to my mom and dad i said i want to go and do lessons you know that was primarily dance to start off with. And, and we did singing and performances within that sort of like little shows and stuff and everything. But I, I then moved to a different dance school and I had some sort of um, singing lessons with a, a, a club singer. Oh, <laughs> um, is it, sorry. I'm not laughing at the, at the, the phrase club singer. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing him because he was like, if you'd imagine like a club singer in the, uh, you know, mid to late nineties, like, you know, a guy with like, quite camp silk shirt like <laughs> you know like really like really sort of like a vo5 volumed hair oh, okay <laughs> um and uh, actually i do sing i do do some of his exercises sometimes for my warm-up that i remember doing but then i went uh i moved my uh, dance schools again and i i changed to a separate singing teacher so i used to go and sing see him uh, once a week and this guy had trained at rada um no sorry uh, he's trained at Ram, sorry, okay. Royal Academy of Music. Yes. Uh, so he had his like diploma in in singing and everything and whatever. And, and he took me. He took me for my lessons, and he kind of went, "Okay, I, you've got a really good, powerful voice there. Let's. I think what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to, uh, I'm going to train you in the base of what I had him. So he he sort of believed that if you had a base of opera. Yeah. In your voice, then you'd have sort of like, you know, powerful techniques and muscles to adapt for other styles and stuff. Very similar into the way where, um, 
you know, like they say with dance, like ballet is such a, a great core yeah. training to have for all other dance. Uh, and he, he believed that that was the case for opera. Um, you know, so I remember in my uh, first few lessons, like, you know, I mean, it, it like he just when he was gauging me out and, and sort of trying things out with me, it was like. Um, Are you sort of through voice you know, change by this point? Are you like or younger than voice change? I, I, I mean, my voice took ages to break. Did it? <laughs> you know, I was really annoyed about that. I went to start to see him from when I was about 12, which is when roughly my voice started breaking. Um, but my voice took ages to break. It took like about three years to break. Yeah, it can fully. be a long period it's of time. It's a really slow process. I had friends, like, I always remember there was a guy at school with me called Eddie Stone. And he was like, you know, if you imagine, uh, imagine I'm this tall and his head was sort of like, maybe to my where my chest is yeah like he was really small and I remember like one night uh we were walking home from school or we left school and it was like oh see you lads and he'd be like see you guys and then <laughs> yeah, the next morning one. he was like right lads and you're like what it's gone on with your voice mine took ages mine yeah. took absolutely ages um however because I had someone like my first uh singing teacher a guy called Mike Hall he worked me through all that so like he worked on techniques to work to support my voice better because you know it goes on you quite a lot, as you can imagine, when you're a 13-year-old boy and you're yeah. going, uh, yes. all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I would sing like pop songs with him, start off with, and then and then like just like for, for a bit of fun at, uh, in, in lessons. And eventually he sort of got me to do a bit more opera as well to like try and implement all the techniques that I'd learned in my warm-ups and stuff. So, you know, like some of my first opera songs singing were like sort of, um, oh. and I actually really like enjoyed singing them, you know, so stuff like that. And, you know, Nessum Dorma, all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. you know, the classic. Yeah, the May classic tenors. Songs, yeah. Like, that would be basic knowledge sort of thing, yeah. Um, and then it just sort of like progressed more. And then I went and trained at Lane Theatre Arts. And unfortunately for me, although it's, I probably definitely benefited from it, um, well, I did benefit from it, uh, my singing lessons are always on a Thursday morning at 9am. Oh. Um, and as you can imagine, when your voice is waking up, that's really not like an easy time to be singing. But I think it kind of helped uh, help strengthen my voice and my and my uh, support system and everything for my voice. Because when you are singing at that time in the morning, you know, and you're not fully vocally awake, even after doing a warm-up, your voice is a little stupid. Like, oh, we're still going on this, are we? We're not sleeping for a minute. You know, um, it, it really helped me to um, uh, sing better, you know, and 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 supporting myself and using the techniques to, to keep a pure sound whilst your voice was freaking out a little bit, you know. So yeah. that was good. Three years of Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Yeah, singing, I mean, you know, it- and myself being a tenor like you know I'm not picking songs that are just like sort of like really low down I'm <laughs> yes. like going yeah I want to try and sing a top you know uh, B or a, like you know A, B, C in, in the morning at nine o'clock in the morning sometimes it was good sometimes it was awful um, but yeah so I did that and then I went into my sort of um, first few jobs uh, out of training and everything it was things like I did a UK tour of Carousel which I was a tenor in, uh, I was, I'm, I'm, let's just to save like saying this every time in each job, like I was yeah. the ten. I was always the tenor in, yeah. um, in every job that I did. Cause that's where my voice sits well and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did my first couple of jobs like carousel. I did Mamma Mia. I went on to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Starlight Express, um, uh, our house. And then I got my sort of like lucky break. Um, if you will, I finally got my first lead in a show and it was on um, a take that musical called Never Forget. Ah, I never, now, got to, I never got to see that one. So, Well, the irony was that all my life since I was about 12, that's not all my life, isn't it? <laughs> since I was about 12, like I would, everyone would say how much I looked like Robbie Williams and ah. how much I reminded them of Robbie Williams. And then in the take that musical, I played the Gary Barlow part. Oh, how funny. <laughs> it, I was... <laughs> it wasn't Gary, but it was the Gary Barlow part that makes sense yeah um so i i really think that was a big time for me vocally because with that show i was singing 10 show uh, 10 songs every night you know like eight times a week yeah and then also on that show we did back to backs um which is if anyone doesn't know you'll I, so you don't do any midweek matinees you do your matinees on a friday and a saturday but you'll do like a half past five show and then, and then in like an eight o'clock show or a half past eight show. So you're literally finishing your first show 
more often than not, if the show ran late due to like audiences getting in late or whatever, you know, you'd come down finishing the first show and they'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, this is your 15 minute call. Um, which in theater terms is obviously 20 minutes, but still like you then got a sort of like recoup. You've got a, you, you know, you've got to hydrate, you've got to get some food inside you, but not too much. Cause you're about to go and do a full on show. Exactly. Um, yeah. That really, really hit hard in, in the, in the first maybe month of doing that show. Cause I did it for a year or just under a year. And that first month of doing those, you know, four weeks, eight shows a week, at the end of every week, back to back, like by the time you got to Saturday, a song that I sang towards the end, which was Million Love Songs. And it came straight after doing Relight My Fire, which was a full on routine as well as singing like the lead vocal. A Million Love Songs sat in a really sort of breaking point of my voice. So it was either like you really push hard and sing this strong or you or you have to go really soft, mm. you know, and it's not as nice. Like it had to sit right in the middle of that point. So like when I... um when I got to the end, like on a Saturday night to that point of the show, like in the first month, I was like, that was a show where obviously with it being Take That song, uh, Songs, a lot of the audience would sing along to it. So I'm thinking at that point in like, leading up to the song in the dialogue, and I'm thinking, mm, I won't really want the audience to sing along tonight because, you know, and you're going, you start that, put your head against my life. And then you just wait for him to go, ah, oh, what do you see? And I'm going, right, well, come on, sing along because I'm tired. <laughs> like, and it's like my voice is knackered. So if you're singing along, you're not going to hear how rubbish I sound right now. Oh, um, mate. <laughs> however, like once I got used to that, I really felt like that. It really like notched up the strength in my voice, like, uh, and the, um, you know, the stamina in my voice, like, yeah. and I really felt like it became really, really strong at that point. So much to the point of I was ill one week in Cardiff, struggling vocally, but each day I sort of sat with the MD and I came in a couple of hours early and we test, like we do some exercise and stuff, a little sort of a light warm up because he went, didn't want to push my voice too hard. Um, and thankfully, because of the strength in my voice and my technique at that point, I was able to produce the same sound as I would every night. That's However, I was like, I was like a duck swimming, you know, on the yeah. water, like calm, calm as you like, calm as you like, like on top. However, like inside and underneath the water, like I was working 20 times harder than I had to, to produce the same sound. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, like, because I say, because I was doing so much singing, 10, 10 songs a show and like eight shows a week, back to backs, etc. I really felt like, uh, my voice was strong enough to get through that. And we did, we took it day by day. Yeah. And like, and I was struggling at the beginning of the week. And then my voice got stronger towards the end of the end of the week at, at the same time as being a little bit fatigued from singing throughout the week and working so hard on it. But you know, that sort of, that sort of uh, continuous singing, like really helped strengthen my voice and be able to work yeah. through periods like that. Um, I've not really been in anything since where it's it's sort of demanded that kind of strength from me vocally. You know, I've been in tough shows where you have to sing uh, it's like the odd tough note in a uh, on a tenor line, but nothing anywhere near as challenging as that that one. And that was a really sort of good high point for strength and confidence as well. You know, mm. like I was singing top notes for fun at that point because my voice was just up there and it was it was there you know it's like anything you, you take a 100 meter sprinter and they and and they're sprinting like 100 times a day like all the way through the week then you give them like a, a four month break or a five month break six month break or whatever and, and ask them to run at that pace again mm. they're not going to be able to repeat that that quickly straight away so it's the, it was the same vocally as well and like when you're constantly constantly singing and it's it's just a dream. It's a yeah. dream because you, you just feel so confident and you feel like your voice can do anything. And, and also like, like there's times when I've struggled in auditions, like to get, like I'm a tenor and I can easily, easily sing a G like easily, even on a bad day. But I've had times where I've not been at the sort of like highest point confidence wise. I've maybe had a little bit of a cold and I've, I swear I've had an out of body experience where I've seen myself in an audition singing for a G or reaching for a G, should I say, and like almost like came out of my body and just saw myself struggling, like pulling ugly faces, producing oh, a horrible sound. And then being told afterwards as feedback from the audition panel. Yeah. Um, don't worry about tenor songs because you're more of a baritone. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've gone up to like top E's before and stuff. Like if I'm in really, really really good form like I can get really high but 
yeah so to have someone turn around and go you're not really a tenor <laughs> um maybe concentrate on the baritone stuff, oh. you know? so <laughs> but that, i'll tell you uh, what i'm getting from this story mark which is brilliant is that over the over your career, you've got to know your voice so well that you know when you're battling, you've got to put a little bit of extra work in with your technique if it's getting a bit tired. It's great that you've got that. You're really in sync with your vocal load and you can cope with it. I think some people get that wrong sometimes, don't they? Because they just keep pushing when you have to rest or they'll go too far. Absolutely. Or it, it's, you know, it does it's, happen. It's a it's something that you can't necessarily figure out until you're in a situation where you have to. Mm. And then, like you say, you might not even get it right the first time or the second time or even the third time. But the trick is to try and uh, take something from each time. And it is. It's about knowing, uh, like like you said in my little bio, I said, cheeky northerner who always gives 100%. I will always give that 100%. To anyone listening, that 100% is not always, always the same. Yes. You can only give 100% of what you can give that day and that means, you know, if you're struggling vocally, you have to know when you pull back and don't, you know, you might have to exchange that like really top note that you're adding in and just pull it back down to the normal note or something or a slightly lower note. And it's it's about maintenance, you know, yeah, um, you know, and you've got to give 100 percent of what you can give at that time. And as long as you know you're giving 100 percent, then that's fine. Yeah, don't obviously like there's a difference between that and then just going, Oh, I can't be bothered. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's maintenance and knowing and understanding. Like if you're at the beginning of a show week and you're, you know, you're doing eight shows in a week and you're maybe singing two or three songs and you're struggling vocally. Don't be going out there on the first night and battering out that song as hard as you can, like yeah. pull back, uh, exchange notes, like, and just give yourself a break. Like, yeah, you know, you've got to work within no those safe boundaries yeah, haven't you, you? Or, yeah otherwise you're going to burn yourself out you know if you're if you're going out there at the beginning of the week and and battering out a song like as hard as you can and belting as hard high as you can like just to make it sound good you are not going to last until yeah. the end of the week yeah it's because, just it's not like, made... you'll have burnt out exactly and it's so good to speak to somebody that's been there and done that and i was just before we went on air we were talking about the role of the swing and how that's changed recently would you would you mind giving us a bit more information about that yeah, um, so uh, a swing typically now, uh, well, I shouldn't say typically now. Let's go back to maybe a couple of years ago. I'm not yeah. 100% sure when this was negotiated via the um, uh, our union equity, uh, but a swing used to be male swing, female swing. And if you obviously, if you're a male swing, you, you sort of would learn all the male parts in the ensemble. And if you're a female swing, you'd learn all the female parts in the ensemble. That has now changed, and it's just swing. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, primarily you would uh, as a as a male swing you would learn all the male tracks and a female swing you would learn all the female uh, tracks however because it doesn't stipulate whether you're a male or, or female swing it now means you can cover as a male you can go on for female tracks and everything obviously you can't do everything that it can do uh, so obviously when i was in waitress there were certain things if you were going on for a female track you couldn't do because it had to be done by a female uh, and vice versa with the girls covering the guys as well so it's changed a lot i came in i hadn't ever been a swing before in this capacity so i didn't know what it was like to uh, you know be a male swing and have to go on for a female track and get extra money for it because it wasn't part of your a title if you will so yeah. that's where it changed and I think that's why it changed and we were discussing like uh, although it's not ideal uh, obviously like uh, equity would have uh, negotiated somewhere something somewhere else along the line that we as performers would have benefited from as well so you know you have to let things some things go to yeah. let other things progress don't you definitely and I guess I mean somewhere along the line that's probably been done for equality isn't it in terms of treating men and women the same way i don't know if it's anything to do with that in terms of that's uh, a that's a nice thought but i yeah, honestly think maybe not. it's literally just so they don't have to pay us any extra money yes, yes that's right they've saved money by just putting swing it's yeah so yeah. like you say one step forward two steps back sometimes but you know obviously the west end at the moment is such a sad ghost town and it's just awful to see yeah. our you know our theater industry in on its knees at the moment i really hope that um things will will progress and change over the rest of this year but who knows um you know so in terms of 
you know, anything that you may now know, it sound, you, you obviously have a fantastic and very knowing relationship with your voice and what it's capable of and what it's capable of when you may be fighting a bit of a cold or there's things going on, which is fantastic. That's what I'm always encouraging the singers I work with to get to that place. Because like you say, you're always going to meet your voice that day and give what, the best of what you can with what you have yeah. without going into the territory of, of possibly causing yourself a vocal injury. So I love that yeah. you've got that going on. Is there anything that you've learned along the way, either through your experience or witnessing someone else go through, that would be a cautionary tale in that department? I mean, have you have you seen anyone accidentally push too far and hurt those voices? You know? Yeah, I've seen people. I've seen people push too far um, mm. and come in when they when they really should have taken. Uh, time off or whatever listen there's that there's that sort of you know the age old um the show must go on and and yeah. there was a time when you know people were praised for you know like oh uh, uh, elaine page like um carried on singing even though her neck was broken or that, that never happened you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. but it's that kind of thing the kind of like we will plow on and everything and i think i i don't necessarily agree with that anymore and i also think a lot of people are sort of wising up a little bit to that now yeah look don't get me wrong it's great when someone pushes through but you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. you should know that just there's no point in carrying on and, and risking like uh further or a more lengthy sort of um uh, injury or vocal problems yeah for the sake of that one day or a couple of days or even a week you know yeah you should literally if you're not feeling it take the time off do not feel guilty if you generally generally are ill or struggling forget what other people think take take that time off that needs to recoup your your voice so that you're not making it suffer uh, suffer in the long run yes and that's what it is because i i remember um so back in 2004 three four um i just graduated you know obviously like doing so much uh, performing and everything and singing in my first job uh, my voice was in a really good place then i discovered that i really liked rod stewart Ooh. um bear with me on this because it'll make sense mm -hmm. uh my best mate was in the um uh, the rod stewart musical uh tonight's the night okay and i went to see it like just to go and support my friend because I was like, he's in a Western show. I like, really want to support him. I, I kind of know the odd Rod Stewart song kind of thing. And then as I watched the, watched the show the first time, I was like, oh, I know this one. Oh, I know this one. Oh, I know this one as well. <laughs> um, and I ended up knowing so much more of his m music than I did. And I just really enjoyed it again. I don't know where I'd heard it. But... Yeah. So I ended up going to watch him four times. I really fell in love with Rod Stewart's music. I fell in love with the way he sang. So I started to sort of try and replicate that. Uh, maybe pushed it a little bit too far and I actually messed up my voice for about maybe a year and a half wow yeah because I was pushing so hard and graveling and, and really not using good technique to get that sort of like I have I've got quite a slight natural uh, gravel to my voice anyway like nothing harsh but just a little bit but I was pushing it hard and I and I sang those Rod Stewart tunes like if we were ever out with mates and karaoke came on I'd be like yeah you want my body yeah like, but really pushing it hard you know like two o'clock in the morning yeah like, been shouting up the music and then screaming out some sort of rod stewart song and i messed up my voice for like a year and a half um, and i learned from that yes uh, just to not like if you learn a new technique or a new way of singing don't push yourself too much like Absolutely. look after your body yeah you have to think of your voice as the same way you would think of a muscle you know like if you're uh you know it, like a footballer or a runner if they've got a slight Dam damaged hamstring they're not going to go out and do like a whole week of training and a full-on you know 90 minute match if if they're not going to be able to do that because they go well I don't want to be I don't want to be injured even longer and it's yeah. just the same with the voice you have to think of it of, of, a, of a muscle in that way look after it and nurture it if you just let it be and just think it's just going to be okay I mean you might be lucky enough to do that but you chances are you're probably going to mess up your voice yeah some but point. I have seen I have seen uh, others uh, friends of mine that have you know pushed themselves that little bit too hard because they're worrying that like oh they don't want to let down the public and that is a genuine po uh, problem sometimes like working with some performers like especially if they're in the starring role they feel like they're really letting down the audience and stuff because they can't be on and and the the, <laughs> the bottom line is is that 
we're all human beings. I know we're, we can be idols for these uh, people coming to watch shows and stuff and inspirations and the only reason that they're coming to watch show, but we are athletes in, in that sort of, you know, yes. performance sense. And, and we get injured and we get ill and we should look after ourselves. And, you know, and uh, I didn't notice it too much when I was in Waitress, but like the one that always happened was the audience sort of going, you know, when if it's announced that um, ladies and gentlemen, the part of such and such tonight will be played by da 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 due to illness of da 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 da, you know, and the audience do that. Yeah, I've been look, I've been waiting for this for six months, and I paid money to come and see this person. This is ridiculous, and and I and I understand where they're coming from, but it can't be helped as a performer, yeah. and it, and if you're you don't want to risk your life to, to go on and, and, and risk your life. That sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? You don't want to risk your, <laughs> your voice yeah. and your career exactly. for the sake of one night or two nights. Do you know what I mean? So it, people do it and, and you just have to try and learn really from people around you and, and your own experiences as well. And uh, yeah, don't sing Rod Stewart as hard as you can for a yeah, year. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So the um, light bulb moments, I'm just wondering ac- across your, you know, whether you're, you're in your training or in your younger days, were there any sort of moments along the way that really gave you a good indication of I'm on the right track? This is the career for me. So I would say it was probably around 14 years old. I was at school, you know, I never saw my like even from like joining up at seven years old and, and going all the way up until the point of 14. Like I never kind of went, I want to do this professionally but it wasn't also like it's just a hobby it was just somewhere in between yeah um you know and I, and I and I worked as a child professional I did shows like um Oliver in the West End oh cool um, at the Palladium and I did Bugsy Malone at the Queen's Theatre on Shaftesbury Avenue with the MIMT like we did like a three-month run in the West End you know and I learned a lot there vocally and stuff and, and about performance I did a show called uh the, the children's um ghost stories goosebumps I did a summer season of that for just just I think it was around about three or four months in Blackpool it's a huge huge American production that came over so I'd worked as a child but I never really saw it as a career at that point but I mm. didn't see it as only a hobby I was just doing it I was in it I was loving it I was living it so when I got to 14 I kind of went I really want to do this like I really, really want to do it. I'd been to see a couple of shows at that point. I'd come to the Blackpool Opera House, which used to attract like huge productions. And I just went, this is what I want to do. Uh, and, the, and the thought for me of sitting behind a desk for another two years doing my A-levels, I just went, absolutely not. No, I know what I want to do. I want to go away and I want to train and I want to do this as a career. And and that was it. From then it was like, right, mum, dad, I want to go and train. Like, so we sought help and everything as to what kind of training facilities to go to with regards to like musical theater uh, colleges and everything and uh, and did all the usual sort of auditions and everything yeah. and weirdly i found out that i'd got into lane theater arts on my 16th birthday oh cool i am um, so i was at school and actually i was in my music lesson my, and my music teacher absolutely loved me like she was really really helpful and really really encouraged my performing she actually really um helped um she donated uh, quite a bit of money for me to go and do uh, a National Youth Music Theatre production. So she was a big fan of mine. Oh, but I was in her lesson and then over the whole school tannoy, uh, a sort of uh, a message came over for me to uh, make sure I went to the school office Yeah. there there and then. And then basically I went to the school office and they were like, oh, we've, got, we've received a, a message from your parents. You have to go home at, at lunchtime. And I was like, what's this? Like, I'd never go home or see my parents at lunchtime. Like, what's going on? And I went home and I walked in and they were all, my mom, my dad and my sister were all sat around the dining room table oh with a letter in their hand. And it was exactly like it was in Billy Elliot. And they were <laughs> yeah. like, they're already like filling up and they were like, there you go. And I like opened it. And obviously, of course, it said I've been accepted. <gasps> and it was just, they were like, hey. Yay, so, um, party. <laughs> and so that was it, really. I knew from about 14, I was like, I am not doing anything else. Yeah, no. so I think you Absolutely. have to you have to have it in your sights and you have to really plan your route and put the work in. It's not an easy industry, is it? Oh, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, it's it's no. it's tough. You you can have high highs and you can have low lows and it will it can beat you down. One thing I've never done is ever doubted myself because this industry isn't always as simple as going you are you know, you're not talented enough for this role or uh, you can't do this role. It, there's so much more that comes into play that's like completely out of your control and you cannot do anything about. Like, 
you know, I've I've had I've got jobs before. I did an advert for KFC, and it was literally down to me and another lad. I was brunette, he was blonde. We the director liked us both. They sent our um, clips off to the, I'm assuming marketing in KFC, and someone went the brunette one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's probably like you know, he doesn't know anything about acting, but yeah. he's picking someone. But they just I like the brown guy. The brown guy with the brown hair looks better. Nothing to do with our acting, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like that sort of that sort of stuff with this industry can be tough. And like I say, I've never doubted myself because I know that it's not always in my control. Yes. Um, having said that, like I did waitress and and for sort of two years before I, I couldn't get anywhere in the industry. Like I was struggling to get into auditions. And even when I did, like I was only getting I wasn't even getting past the first round. My agent was like baffled because he was like you know we've worked with you for 15 years like yeah we're always like we're you're always a sure bet for us to at least get to the final if not get offered the job like this is we don't know what's going on sort of thing and I I sort of stayed in belief of myself and my abilities and I didn't doubt myself at all obviously I got waitress and what was interesting was um, having obviously I covered the husband in it and I'd done sort of towards uh, the end of last year and the beginning of this year done a really good chunk of shows on and I realized one day I just went I, I felt really good about myself and going on and doing what I was doing and I went wow I haven't felt this good in a long time and I realized that actually without even knowing it I, but thinking that I wasn't that way I'd actually lo- lost a bit of confidence in myself mm. like like not not a significant amount, but just enough to go. Okay, I wasn't feeling as confident about myself before. Now I am. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. It's it's not for everyone. And and you know what? You can sometimes even get the most talented of people who are brilliant singers or brilliant actors and or amazing dancers. And the one part that they can't take is the rejection. Yeah. And the the um, lack of stability. And and that's part and parcel of the industry and being in that job is is like you can have all the talent that you want but some people just might not like that fact that you know you work in a show for a year or six months and then you might spend another year out of work and having to do something that you don't necessarily want to do it's not for everyone yeah definitely I know what you're saying yeah I mean I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening that can relate to it but what I really really want to get across to uh to the listeners who are thinking about going into the industry is to have a really clear idea of what they're letting themselves in for. So I would like to ask you a question about voice care. Now you mentioned hydration and warming up and all of those important things. But is there anything else that you found along the way that you just think is that's my go-to for making sure uh, I look after my voice? Honestly, um, I'm not a sort of singer who would, you know, steam all the time, uh, not eat chocolate, uh, not have any dairy products or, you know, uh, wake up and not talk until 12, like midday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know, I know plenty of those people and I understand why they would do it, but I'm just, obviously I'm aware of my voice and I know if I'm waking up tired, then I might have to do a slightly sort of softer warm up mm. or uh, so say like a softer, but longer warm up. Yes. Whereas if I'm waking up and feeling good, I'll do just like a normal warm up. So I know how to look after my voice in that sort of way. I've never, ever, adopted any of those kind of like oh well I need to steam before I sing Mm. or you know I can't eat chocolate like on a day of singing or you know any of the ones that I've explained I personally for me I think the more I would get that into my head the more I would stress about it and then it's it's like you start to believe it so your body starts to feel it you know yes Um, and so for example like when I did never forget singing 10 songs in a show I'd come off at the interval and have like a couple of bars of chocolate because <laughs> I, I think if you're not it wasn't that I was not caring about my voice I was not caring about worrying therefore I was keeping my voice relaxed yes you know yeah you're not getting um, into those rituals of having to do something which no, if you miss it I, I honestly think it's a dangerous place because yeah. you, it can suddenly then become a mental game of yourself I've seen I've worked with people who are like that like literally you know I've worked with people who've like you know if you're on tour and stuff and they wake up first thing in the morning they step outside of um uh their room and the first thing they do is like a siren so they're like and like nothing's coming out and you go and they're like oh oh I don't know if I can do the show today I'm like it's like half you've just woken up (laughs) 
you're literally just walking. It's probably the hardest sound that you've made already, like for the first time during the day. Why don't you wait until later in the day? You know? <laughs> yeah. But of course, the mental game kicks in then, and they're like, "All oh, right, I can't do it." And you know, and they're like, they're like massaging their throat, like stressing. But you know, it's almost counterproductive that they're trying to relax themselves by massaging because actually they're getting tenser by by worrying. Yeah. Um. You know, I've seen people go, "Oh my god, I shouldn't have eaten that chocolate bar." Like, uh, you know, sort of like. 12 p.m. today it's now 8 p.m. or <laughs> half past seven they're about to go in in the show and and they're panicking going because i had a chocolate bar like my voice doesn't feel right and like oh, gosh. um i just i just i wouldn't want to deal with all that worry and panic and i just go you know i think a lot of it's a myth i do i yeah. think a lot of it's a myth if people want to believe that that's fine but i just think for me the more i'm opening myself and my mental state for the the, the zone or the gig if you will mm. the more myself up for uh worry the, the the more chance i am of like messing stuff up you know yeah because if you think about it and it goes back to what i was saying like when i was working on never forget and i was singing t- at 10 songs a show and doing that eight times a week my like my i was so confident in my singing without even thinking about any of that like i'd do a light warm-up and my voice would be like rocking do you know what i mean whereas so it, it it's goes if it can work that way with positive confidence mm. It can absolutely work the other way by if you're going, oh, no, negative. I shouldn't have had that chocolate bar. Oh, I shouldn't have like been I shouldn't have talked until tw- like I just think that invites a lot of negative mental state into you, into your into your singing zone, if you will. Definitely. And, and, and tension. I just never try to adapt it. Yeah. 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 All that tension isn't going to help. You're right. And it's crazy, isn't it? But, you, you know, it's like saying I can't go on stage without my lucky pants on. You know, if it's like, yeah, if, if you well, forget people like that. As yeah, well. <laughs> exactly. I know but I've worked with people like that as well. Lucky pants. <laughs> OK, so let's get a little bit philosophical then. I love how, how, how much you know your voice. It's brilliant. But if I asked you, what does your voice mean to you? What are you going to tell me then? Ooh. <laughs> I think like I would be gutted if I couldn't sing. Yeah. Even if like I, I don't mean like not be able to sing on a stage or like even if I just couldn't sing around the house like I love it. I've I've sang to myself and in rooms and when I've been alone like since I can ever remember you know. So to have like the thought of having that take taken away from me would be horrible. I, I, I that so that's how much it means to me the yeah. fact that I can you know sing and 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 I like to think with regards to singing I'm sort of a, a jack of all trades master of none like with that sort of opera bass teaching like uh, learning that I did from younger like you know I can sing good opera I can sing I have a good pop voice I can put on that gravelly rock voice I can sing a, a nice lovely soft beautifully sung musical theatre song or something you know I can do a lot of different styles I'm not necessarily amazing at any of them (laughs) but I can do a lot you know that's something I've been proud of because I've got plenty of people who've got like they can sing an amazing beautiful musical theatre song but then ask them to sing a pop song and they're no good they can't sing a rock song and they can't sing a uh, like a, an opera song. Or a legit mean? or something. I've, or I've auditioned for shows in the past where, let's just say, it was a rock musical. Uh, and that like I know what everyone's singing straight away, but it wasn't that one. <laughs> um, and and the, part, the part that I went in for sang a song. And um, I sang it. I went, okay, this is a rock song. So I'm going to sing it like a rock ballad. You know, mm. I'm going to have a bit of gravel in my voice and a bit of grit. Like, and I'm going to sing it. And I, the feedback that I got was like, yeah, he didn't produce a lovely sound. And I was like, I said to me, sorry, what? It's a rock song. Yeah. Like, and then I, I saw said show and the person who sang it was like singing a rock song, like, la da da, ya, da da And I was like, okay, fine. If that's what you want to choose. That's, yeah. You know, it's so great. weird, isn't it? Yeah. Casting, you know, sometimes, well, I don't know. I wonder sometimes whether the people casting it have really thought about the characterization or the style or whatever, if it's just a, a sound and a look it's difficult isn't it it's so subjective again going back to what i said like yeah. before with the industry is that it's not always as as simple as like you're not good enough you just don't know what the the thought processes of that casting panel and stuff and everything it's you know but anyway like a long story short i know but yes i would uh my voice means a lot to me and i and i and i i like my voice yeah i don't like hearing it back 
I don't mind hearing it whilst I'm singing stuff. I don't necessarily like, you know, hearing it back because as you do with anything, if you look at a picture of yourself or if you hear back anything vocally, like you, you, you immediately hone in on your insecurities, you know, yeah. that tiny, tiny little crack in your voice that you heard won't be heard by everyone else. Yeah. But that tiny, tiny crack to you felt like that, like that mammoth, like huge gap. And like, <laughs> oh my God, that was terrible. I mean, so... I'm with you on that one. It's like very difficult. Myself necessarily, but I like hearing my voice when I'm singing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's great. You've got to enjoy the process. I mean, otherwise, why put yourself through it? And obviously, yeah, you know, sure. you, you've been doing it a long, long time and it's what you're it's what you're meant to be doing. But I also love the fact that this second skill you have as a photographer, which is uh, one of the main reasons that we met in the first place, is something that yeah. obviously keeps you within the industry because you do lots of work for other actors and other singers uh, with headshots and stuff but how did that come about when did when did you start getting into photography I've always loved photography like even from um uh, being a little kid maybe about five years old my mum and dad bought me a little like um uh, a camera from snappy snaps it was this little square thing I don't know uh imagine like um like a uh, a tape measure a tape measure you right. know a, a sort of like a builder's tape measure kind of thing and it and it had two little squares that flipped up uh, that were your viewfinder and you took your picture like that. Um, and I used to go around just taking pictures of everything, like, you know, mum and dad put the camera in my hand and I was happy, like sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and and I always liked taking pictures. And as I got older, like with being like a teenager and stuff and going away to college and first few jobs, like wanting to get pictures and stuff, I'd always be annoyed with people if they didn't compose it properly. I was like, what are you doing? That's blurry. Like hold yeah. the camera still, like sort of thing. Cut to, I think it was 2011. Yeah, uh, I I was helping out um, a friend of mine who was uh, a singer going into doing uh, photography. And she said, you know, oh, can you come over to mine? Uh, and I just want to practice some headshots on you and stuff and you can have them. I was like, yeah, sure, of course. I wanted to help out a friend because, you know, I would like to think that people would do the same for me if I needed help of people. So I went over, I did my headshots. I was asking loads of questions when she was doing it. And she just went, do you want to have a go with the camera? And I said, oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, pass it over. And I took some pictures of her. And whilst I was doing it, I was asking questions again. Uh, and and literally, I enjoyed it that much. I just went, right. And I, on my way to work, uh, literally stopped off in a Jessup's and bought my first camera. Oh, wow. Um, and it sort of progressed from there, really. Um, a couple of my mates then went, oh, can you just do some quick headshots? Me? I was like, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like... And I, uh, okay, and they were like, "Oh, I, I don't care. I just need something to update quickly." So, like, obviously, I had an idea of what headshots were because I'd had headshots done, and I just started earning the odd bit, like fifty quid from mates and stuff. And then I decided to go right, okay, I can make a bit of money out of this. Like, this could be the side job that I mm. have uh, for when I'm out of work. And it just progressed from there. And it's been a tough journey on the photography side because because I'm making it a side business and not making it all out or even a, a sort of segue out of the uh, performing arts industry. Sometimes when I've been in work, it's not been easy to do the photography at the same time, whether it's because I've been on tour uh, and there's not really anyone to shoot or, I, uh, for example, when I was in uh, Waitress, the schedule for rehearsals and stuff was so ridiculous, especially being a swing and a cover mm. and also having all the different people and stars coming in and out of the show. We were just in so much. So I was not really shooting as much and, and, and just trying to shoot as much as I could at the same time, you know? So that's quite tough. Whereas like, obviously now with the West End shutting down, I knew when it all happened and, and when we realized that it probably wasn't only going to be shut down for three weeks, you know, because at the time when it happened, it was like, ah, you know, three weeks and we'll be fine back to normal. No problem. Mm. Um, <laughs> seven months later. Yeah. It's um, crazy. You know, uh, I kind of went, okay, well, I can actually focus hundred percent on my photography here because I know I'm not going to get that call from my agent going, got an audition for you. It's on this day. And I'm like, Oh God, I've got to rearrange a photo shoot now, or whatever. I could actually focus on it 100%. So that's been good. And now I'm starting to gain a bit more momentum now with bookings and stuff, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. And it's kept me, it's kept, definitely kept me sane with not having any performing to do. And I miss performing, you know, I'd spent two years out of work before waitress and to be working again and enjoying that sort of lifestyle again, not that it's like some sort of like, you know, great Gatsby kind of <laughs> you know, party yeah. life or anything. But I mean, just to be earning a decent wage a week, doing what you love, it was nice. So this photography now has kept me sane and, well, you know, not far off as happy as I would be if I was in a show working. But definitely uh, to quote a song that didn't make it into Waitress, happy enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> or in a better way than that. <laughs> and it's another way, to, it's another creative outlet, you know. Yeah, It's definitely. another way of, of being creative and being able to tell stories and stuff and everything. And yes, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a saver. Yeah, that's so, that's so cool. So what voices can, do you listen to of others that, that you really enjoy? Who's, who's the singers that you would go to if you just wanted to have a nice dreamy afternoon of music and somebody you wouldn't tire of listening to? You know what? I mean, as a uh, my uh, my music sort of choice is so eclectic; it's I ridiculous. <laughs> it, it it's all over the shop. But you know, I I like you know, I love the Beatles because I grew up on them. My dad would play them all the time. I actually grew up on Take That because you know when it wasn't my dad playing the Beatles, it was my sister playing Take That, and I didn't have a music player at the time, so uh, Take That from an from maybe my teens up until my uh, well, still a bit now, actually. Like Robbie Williams was always a sort of idol of mine. Yeah. Um, I love Billy Joel. Oh wow, lovely. Love Joel. Yeah, um, great songwriter. Uh, Rod Stewart, obviously, I talked about. Oh, I love the stories. Yeah. That's that's a kind of thing that you don't get as much now. Mm. Um, that sort of uh, that storyteller within. You know, uh, there was a journey in the songs rather mm. than just like you know the usual A B A A B C A A B sort of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, they were storytellers within their songs as well, and, and then had just had great voices. The only one who kind of comes close to that a little bit now for me is like a George Ezra kind of voice. I oh, love yeah. his voice. Yeah. Um, Adam Levine of of Maroon Five. Oh, like, he's fab. I just think his voice is nuts. Um, um, and I went to see him in Paris as well, and like. You know, he hit some top, top notes in his songs. And mm. I went to see him and for an hour and a half, he just belted them out like there was some sort of like, you know, uh, like I can sing this really easy. Uh, but he was like, ah, like <laughs> just belting his face off. And it was, it was insane. Like Ryan Tedder of One Republic as well. Yeah. He yeah. writes a lot of stuff for like pop stars and everything. His voice is ridiculous as well. I saw him at the Camden Roundhouse and he came out and he was like, um, hey guys, uh, you'll notice I have uh, a... Uh, I'm just drinking some herbal tea. Um, I'm not feeling vocally great tonight, but I'm going to do my best for you. You know, I'm going to stink. And like up until maybe like the last two songs, like you'd never have known. This is like an, an hour later. Like you're just like, wow, you sound incredible. Like I'm annoyed at you for <laughs> being that good, even though you're suffering, you know. It's crazy. Um, and even then the last two songs weren't that bad. Like, and, and being a singer myself, obviously you can hear that sort of stuff. So mm. yeah, he was great he was just unreal i love his stuff oh, wow who else like james morrison is another one of mine i love yeah james morrison. i've seen him live as well i just love his songs i love the sound he produces i mean michael buble of course yeah. uh, another female uh, voice i love is uh, hayley reinhardt or Rain reinhardt <gasps> reinhardt hayley reinhardt yes he, i knew her from the american her, idol days and then she did yeah, a lot of the postmodern jukebox stuff ridiculous yeah, exactly. Yeah, she does a beautiful version of creep? "Can't Help Falling oh, no, Love." Oh no, that one. Oh yes, and she, yeah. oh, the, the creep one's great as well. But the 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 one that that I just kind of like melt when she sings mm. is uh, the um, "Can't Help Falling in Love." Like, I, I like thinking about it now. It's getting me excited and like I've got goosebumps because I just love. She's got a ridiculous range. You know, she's right like down there, sort mm. of thing, like with that sort of like whispery husky voice, and then she's like belting her face off like right up there, and then just the the quality of her voice. Like for me, I've always been that kind of person who likes that imperfect kind of sound. You know, not that. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like the beautiful pure sound. Mm. It just something pulls me towards that sound it's just that little it's not perfect yeah you know i get I you it. i totally like, get I, you that's it's, it's almost like we we don't want um we don't want perfection do we i mean we're not supposed to sound like robots and i can't bear I auto don't, yeah. i don't we don't like auto-tune do we mark no auto-tune no. is is not allowed and should not be as i, I, don't, I don't love it the but, only person yeah. who is allowed to get away with also tune is share yes i but yeah do you do you believe <laughs> that one yeah absolutely yeah. but no I, i'm gonna put a link to that Haley reinhardt song in our show notes and with a, a link to it because it is a really lovely version i've worked on that a few times with oh, singers. beautiful, beautiful I, version I had it played song. at my wedding oh did you oh that's gorgeous yeah, yeah i yeah. love that yeah oh that's because, amazing um this is gonna sound really soppy now but when i first heard it i was on tour and i was away from my wife she wasn't my wife at that time um but I, I, it made me miss her, and I actually thought I'd love this to play at our wedding. Yeah, and you got and it, it. Sort of like just grabbed me by the heart, and I kind of went, oh, you know. So 
and that's why it played at our wedding. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing. Thank you. So one last question before we wrap up. And yeah. that is, what is vocal freedom to you? Vocal freedom to me, I would say vocal freedom is just obviously like focus on uh, techniques to look after your voice and everything and whatever. But I would say vocal freedom, just go out there, sing without any worries, like, and don't care about what, unless anyone's got some positive or constructive criticism to give you, just go out there and sing how you want to sing. Do your voice. Don't try and produce anyone else's sound. Like, just be you, be your sound. Like, and if that means you're a little bit husky or if it means you're a little bit uh, pure, then go out and just be yourself. Like, just sing. Like, if you really, really enjoy it, just sing and 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 actually just be vocally free. Like, yeah, you know, don't let things get you down. Don't stress over, oh, my voice sounds tired or, oh, I shouldn't be eating that or I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak after that. Like, that, that's me personally. Just yeah. Don't get too obsessed you... with, you know, obsessed with the sort of things that, that aren't important. When you're on the stage or when you're in front of the, or you've got the mic or whatever it is, be present. And I think it is important to have that vocal freedom and not to worry because that's going to come in handy at times when you are struggling. And to have that thought, it's not, oh, it's not going to be obviously as positive if you're, if you're struggling at times, but to have that, that sort of uh, positive mentality there can really help you out of those tough times so not only just to enjoy it but to help use that vocal freedom as a tool as well like yeah. to your benefit i would say that's amazing thank you so so much thank you for joining me on the vocal freedom podcast i hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.